Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Just adding to what Nathan's just, just said there, um, honestly, we'd encourage you to, um, to come out on that Saturday night, the 23rd, and then also come out on the Sunday morning, the 24th. Um, we, we were in two minds of how do we play this because we're mindful that some people may make some choices. But really, in this context here, now we're saying the same in Ilkeston, don't make the choice of which one am I going to go to. Go to both. They'll both have a distinct feel about them. The Saturday night, they're being planned for about an hour's service, so that's it. You're not going to be anything along that. You can bring friends with confidence knowing that it's not going to drag on. And uh, it will just be a great time together. Amen. You've had the cards. Please use them. Just a couple of stories. I've, you know, we've hand, been handing cards out. I handed a card to a, a, a guy who I was just talking with, and I put on his card from Caroline and I. I said, no pressure. Wrote on it, no pressure, but we'd love to see you there, which opened up a conversation because, you know, they don't want to feel pressured to come, do they? You want them to come because they want to come. Um, it was a great, great conversation starter. And then again on Friday night, just talking with just a guy with his partner and just saying to them, look, just come. They know we're church people. And, and they said, look, yeah, we'll be there. You know, yeah, we've got it. And I put again in the card, no pressure. What I'm saying is, it's dead easy. It's really easy. Am I the only one here? It's really easy to just invite and just ask people to come. And we've got the great newspapers as well. And I'd encourage you to read those and, and use those as an, as an evangelistic tool as well. Just to say that for some of you who don't know, uh, my name's Christian. And um, I'm one of the pastors of Arena Church, and there's numbers of you who I do know, but there's numbers of you who I don't know. So I have to introduce myself, and I work with Stephen, and it's a real delight to be with you today and to just enjoy the atmosphere of this great church here, what God is building amongst you. Do you know that you belong to a great church? Just nudge the person next to you and say, you know what, it's good to be here together. Just say it, it's good to be together. It's great that, you know, this, this, this... First part is relatively full, and there's kids out as well. You know, God is doing something amongst us. In fact, I was just felt compelled. I wanted to take a picture of you all. Is that okay? So anybody like crazy pictures, crazy daft, and, you know, if, if you don't want to have a picture taken, don't worry, you're not going to be there. I'm not going to zoom into, you know, Neil and zoom in, okay? Um, but I do want to take a picture of you all. So I wonder if you would all... Um, just stand to your feet and just wave at me and just look daft. And is that okay? It look like you're enjoying being here. Okay, some of you look really miserable. Um, but what, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have to probably. I'll be going, yeah, okay, you ready? Ready, 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 ready. Okay, yeah. Come on, bit dafter, bit dafter. Yeah, a bit dafter. I'll take one over here. A bit dafter. Okay, a bit dafter. Okay, there we are. Fantastic. Wonderful. Brilliant. Superb. That will be posted somewhere. Okay. Wonderful. Well, you asked for it. Three particular messages that we wanted to just speak into. And, you know, what I love about this series is that it's been birthed out of some questions that we've been asking of people. And, you know, all three subjects have been very people-centered. You know, Stephen just, I mean, brought the house down at Ilkeston when he preached it. Um, in Ilkeston about forgiveness and um, how do we forgive. And, you know, these subjects are really important at this time, all three of them, because actually you're forced into connect, uh, context where you, you can almost get out of throughout the year 
but you tend to meet up with people, family, friends at Christmas time. If you're holding something in your heart, something's going to arise within you. And I'd encourage you, if you weren't here, to listen to the podcast. We're trying to help people, facilitate you, trying to teach you, mature you in terms of how do we forgive one another. Because how many of you know people hurt people? You're going to get a much better preach if you respond to me. So I'll say it again. How many of you know people hurt people? They may not mean to, but it just happens. And we've got to find some ways of actually finding forgiveness. Josh preached about stress. Christmas for me, I love Christmas, but Christmas can be the most stressful time in, in the world. They say it's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, you go into Mansfield Four Seasons shopping and see if it's the most wonderful time of the year. When everybody's barging and pushing and shoving and getting stressed out the reds. And then you go to Tesco or Aldi or Morrison's and people are barging for that food and whatever. Does it look the most wonderful time of the year? No, often people are stressed out their heads. And by the way, it's not just Christmas. People live with stress all the time. So There's a message about how to handle stress. And if you're stressed out, and all of us at some point get stressed. Because people bring stress to our lives. People cause us to live with bitterness. And we've got to find a way of moving through that. And by the way, the Bible has so much to say about this stuff. Don't think of this book as being something that's just, it's just about Jesus. I want to tell you, Jesus spoke into those things and God spoke into the writers, specifically spoke into those things that could help us. Because they understand that the 21st century, on this day we would be here and there's people who need to know about this stuff. It's a book, what I'm saying is so relevant for all of our lives. So what am I talking about today? Well, it's dead interesting that when we was working through this and Stephen's part of the, the teaching team and was just working this through, we said we wanted to look at three subjects. I've mentioned the first two. And the third one was, how do we handle difficult people? How do we handle difficult people? And it was Stephen, who he probably won't remember it. He says, I think you need to take that one, Christian. <laughs> now, I don't know whether it's because I'm difficult or I have great experience of dealing with difficult people. But he was very affirming. No, I think you need to t- take that one. So here I am, and we're going to talk about, you asked for it, how do we handle difficult people? So we're going to pray. Father, I pray that in these few minutes that I have, and as we open the Bible... And as we look at illustrations, and as we lay some foundations in all of our hearts, that you will help us. Because our lives are surrounded by difficult people. In fact, we can be difficult too. So I'd ask that you would help us. And Lord, in this ministry, we wouldn't be thinking about, oh, this would be great if this person could hear it. We'd apply it first to ourselves. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, difficult people. Let me give you a funny story of a difficult person. A police officer jumped into his police car and he called the station. And he said this, I have an interesting case here. As he spoke over the radio, a woman has shot her husband for stepping on the floor that she's just mopped. Have you arrested her? The sergeant replied. No, not yet. The floor's still wet. (laughs) This sounds like a very... Did you get that? Have you got it? This sounds like a very, very difficult person. And the reality is, life is filled with difficult people. In my prayer, I said, you might be a difficult person. 
So we have to apply it to ourselves. Or you might be married to a difficult person or you might have family members or work colleagues that are difficult. And this brings some great application to us all. Because the reality is we're surrounded by difficult people because we're in relationships. And let me just say this, relationships, and I'd ask you to lean in this morning and take some notes because I think it will help you on your phone. Don't go on, be tempted to go onto Twitter or Facebook or whatever. If you're going to do it on your phone, take a more pen and paper. I'd encourage you to do that because there's some, I think, some significant things that will help us this morning. You know, relationships bring our greatest pleasure to life. That's true. But they also bring the greatest pain. So on one hand, they bring the greatest pleasure to life. But there's another side to it that they also bring the greatest pain. Spouses, parents, best friends, siblings, work colleagues, those who are at school, those who are in the, in the team that you play with, all kinds of relationships that we're in. And by the way, church. Everybody turn to the neighbor and say, church, church. Everybody thinks that this place called church is full of perfect people. Again, look at the neighbor, you look at you and see if they're perfect. No, they're not. I'm not trying to be rude. We're all flawed. We're all flawed. We're all imperfect. We're all broken. Trying to put, get ourselves put back together. Can I hear an amen? Because I think that some people in church walk around as though they're perfect. And they're not perfect. Let me say about this church, this church here, an arena church. This is not a perfect church, but it's a great church. It's a people full of heart. There's some great people here who are on a journey, but we've got a heart. You're looking at a guy who's very flawed. I certainly ain't perfect, but I've got a big heart. About three of you believe that. I'll say that. But I have a big heart. And this is why we've got to get this stuff into our hearts and allow God's word to speak to us. You know, the Bible, I've already said, has got lots to say about this. And this book, the Bible, and we want in 2018 for it to become even more central to our lives. If we're not reading this book, it's not going to be helpful to us. And I'd encourage you to get in this book. And I'll tell you why to get in this book. Because it has so much to say about relationships. In fact, it's a story full of relationships. It's a narrative of families and individuals. I was spoiled for choice with difficult people. Paul, it was very easy for me to look at it. Stephen, as a Bible teacher, it was very easy for me to dig out and easy. Because I thought about the first murder that happened in the Scriptures. Anybody give me a help what it is? Cain and Abel. Here we have, we have two brothers who everything's going wonderfully well. And now all of a sudden Cain becomes jealous of Abel. And actually God comes to him and said, sin is crouching at your door. He desires to master you. You must overcome it. But he didn't overcome it. And what happened was he then went and murdered his own brother. Joseph, what was Joseph renowned for? Having his coat of many colours. By the way, do you think I'm looking a bit smooth in my new jacket? It's a new jacket. By the way, it had a peacock's feather coming out of here. It's true, honestly. And I was quite, I quite fancied the dapper kind of country gentry look. And Caroline went, that looks stupid. Take it out. So there we are. There's my wife. There's the encouragement. She looks all sweet and all of that. She was straight in there. 
So anyway, and it was straight in the bin. I snuck it out and put it on the top. I thought, that'll come in handy at some point, but it's straight in the bin. Anyway, Joseph was renowned for having a coat of many colours. And you know, we all give Joseph this bad press, but let me tell you, Joseph didn't help himself because we would walk into a room with his coat almost like this to his brothers. Now, it doesn't say that, but basically he was proud. And this coat was given to him because his father loved him more than all the other brothers. I mean, what dysfunctionality in that family. Even though it was a spiritual heritage family, there was massive dysfunction. And actually, Joseph came to the point where he was thrown into a pit. Why? Because his brothers threw him in there. Difficult situations, difficult relationships that exist. I could then take you to Jesus. Jesus himself chose some disciples. And then we see a narrative in the Bible where there's a bit of an argument going on because the other disciples aren't happy with the request of one of the mums because she says, Jesus, can my two boys, one at your left and one at your right, come on, puppy-eyed. Oh, Jesus, can... And they were, they were furious, not because of the request, because they hadn't thought about it. That's what I think. They were annoyed because... Then thought about it first. Difficult relationships that Jesus had to navigate in his team. And then there's a great pioneer. I'm just plotting you through quickly through the, through the scriptures by the name of Paul. He was named Saul. He murdered the first Christian, the first you know, martyr that we had, Stephen. And he became a great pioneer, planted churches, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. What a remarkable character. And yet, I think he was a difficult person to handle and work with. How do I know that? Well, it certainly says that there was a man who was his best friend. He was his BFF. If you don't know what that is, best friend forever. His name was Barnabas. Barnabas was his BFF. We're best buds Come on, don't leave me hanging. Okay, fist pump, don't leave me hanging. That's what it, we, were, we were just best friends. But yeah, it says in the Bible, it says in the Bible, there was such a sharp disagreement amongst them, Paul and Barnabas. And there's no record then of them again working together. Difficult people. Conflict of, of interest. Different way of working. Barnabas wanted John Mark with him and Paul basically says, no, John Mark is... Forget him, he let me down the first time, I ain't going again. I have a feeling Paul was a very, very difficult man to work through. What I'm trying to help you to understand is in the Bible, it's full of difficult people. It's full of different contexts. And you see, this is the point. Relationships fracture. Why? Get this if you're taking notes. Because people are different. And different is difficult. I'll say that again. Relationships fracture. Why? Because people are different and different is difficult. Caroline and I have been married 25 years this year. She deserves a medal the size of a dustbin lid. Don't say you, I'm saying you. You put the phone down and then I'll put the, no, you, no, you first. No, anyway, she does. She deserves a medal the size of a dustbin lid. Married to me. But let me just tell you a few things about Caroline. Are you all ready now? Oh, now you're all leaned in. Did you know? They're all in now. All the phones are coming out now. All the notepad, Paul, Stephen, they're all there now, leaning in. You know, if you don't know my wife, she's quiet, quietly spoken. 
And I'm not quietly spoken, but if you was to predict in our house who likes the music blasted out, who would you naturally say it would be? I want to tell you, it's not true. Caroline blasts the music out full blast. In fact, I have a confession to make. Last weekend, before I preached this at Ilkeston, I walked in the kitchen. I said, Caroline, can you please turn that music down? I like it loud. I says, well, I like it quiet. I can't even think what I'm doing. I says, I'm going to tell the people. She says, you can tell them whatever. So I says, well, I'm going to tell the people. So here I am again. She likes the music loud. She's different to me. I like when I'm in bed to curl over and my legs out the quilt. Anybody with me on this? Legs out the quilt. Just my top part, my legs out. Caroline, she wants the quilt right over her. She wants her blanket on top of her. And she even said to the point now, I think we need an electric blanket. What is all that about? If you're an electric blanket fan, God bless you. There, I said, there is no way we are having an electric blanket. Let me tell you, no way at all. We are so different. You know, Caroline, salad and vegetables. I mean, look at her. Me, I like meat. Anybody with me? I mean, you don't get a figure like this just eating salad and vegetables, do you? And there must be some Brazilian in me, the Brazilian steakhouse kind of, you know, give me as much meat and then if you have to throw a couple of carrots on, I'll eat them. But I want more meat. Anybody with me, give me a wave. What I'm saying is we're very, very different and different can be difficult. It really can. So what I'm saying in all this message is I just bring, I'm going to read a few verses and just give you four points. As we think through this, how do we handle difficult people? Don't be thinking about the person that you lived with, you live with or you know that spouse or that partner or that son or daughter or think of how does this apply to me? I want to read three verses, three passages of scripture that we'll just move through quickly that I think will help us to ground the next four points that I want to make in how. Do we handle difficult people? It says in 2 Timothy in chapter 2, verse 23, it hopefully should come on the, the screen. Here we are. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. We'll pause there just for a moment, just to allow you read that. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. Churches have been split down the middle Because of foolish, ignorant arguments. Marriages have been destroyed through foolish, ignorant arguments. Families have been divided through foolish, ignorant... Do I need to go on? In fact, this is what he then goes on to say. They only start fights. A servant of the Lord, which we all are. It's not just somebody who stands on here or sings or gives announcements or is in the youth program. We're all servants of the Lord if we all know Jesus. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. But must be kind to everyone. They need to be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. I often say that church pastoring, church ministry life would be very, very easy if it wasn't for people. (laughs) But then I suppose a doctor's surgery would say exactly the same. 
then I suppose a restaurant owner would say exactly the same. I say some of the school teachers would probably say the same if it wasn't for not necessarily the children, but the parents. People are difficult. We're just having a conversation. Life is difficult. People are difficult. And yet we have some counsel here that says, listen, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments. And in fact, we must be kind to everyone. We must be patient with difficult people. Just to give you a little bit of a lesson, that word difficult people in the Greek means hard, harsh, and annoying. It's true. The original word means difficult people is hard, harsh, and annoying. Can you think of an annoying person now? Please don't say I'm looking at him because that would really burst my bubble. But the fact is, we all can be annoying and we all can be hard and we all can be harsh at times. And we see the counsel of the scriptures. And we're going to allow God's word to do its work here amongst us. Because let me be clear, there's times when I can be incredibly harsh and hard and annoying. Let's read from James in chapter 4, shall we, for a moment. James in chapter 4, and just while it comes on the screen. James in chapter 4 and verse 1. He then goes on to say, And where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And you fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. I've been in many, many contexts with families, couples, relationships. I've been in the middle of churches. Whenever there's been difficulties, it's usually this. People wanting their own way. Kicking up a fuss because they want their own way. And yeah, the Bible's very, very clear. Listen, stop being so spoiled. Stop being so spoiled. Trust God. I'm applying this to myself. Because I can at times be very, very difficult. I can be very demanding. I can want my own way. So please don't think that I'm talking at you. I'm ministering it to myself. I'd love to say that this week I've been free from it, but that has not been the case. There's been numbers of cases I've had to say to my wife, I'm really sorry. It then goes on to say, and these are verses that I think are very sobering. And as an 18, 19 year old, I began to commit these to memory. There's a very, very important, I think, passage in, in, in the New Testament from Galatians in chapter 5. And again, they're going to come on the screen. And Paul is writing to the church. And he's contrasting the old nature and the new nature. He's contrasting the sinful nature, the godly nature. He's contrasting the life of the, 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 life of, uh, the old man. And he's contrasting it with the life of the spirit. And you may resonate with some of these lists. Because this is what it says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. The sexual immorality and... There's impurity and there's lustful pleasures. There's idolatry and 
sorcery and hostility and quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambition and dissension and division and envy and drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like these. Just if it so happens that your thing isn't there, it just says, and the like. Now what's interesting to know, I just have to pause for a moment, that we often grade sin and yet here we see Paul not grading it at all. He puts it all in the same passage. So if you're, env- if you're envious, that's the same as actually idolatry. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because there's numbers of these things. Actually, my thing isn't envy. I don't, I don't live with envy. I have to be honest. It's not a thing that I, that, I, that I live with. But my temper, my temper can really get the best of me. I've shared this vulnerably on numbers of occasions. I have a temper. My mum would say to me, it comes through the line of the family. I have some family members here. I understand that, but you know what? I'm not going to use that as an excuse, a badge to hang on, because the reality is God wants to do a work in my life. I haven't been given to drunkenness. It's not been my thing, but that might be your thing. But the Bible's very, very clear. Whatever your thing is, we need to give it to Jesus. Because otherwise, we're not going to live the kind of life that he wants us to live. Let me move on, because he then goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What I love about God, though, is this, and just to try and lift us up, because I just feel like there's a sobering moment at this, at this point. I actually feel it in the service, because we're thinking about things that we're prone to, we have a bias towards, things that may haunt us, have hounded us, things that, that, that cause us to, to, to live not, not free. But the thing I love about God, He doesn't leave us stranded on the island of sin. He hasn't left us stranded there with no way of of finding a way back. Because there are some verses that it comes on to where he says, but the Holy Spirit, verse 22, produces the kind of fruit in our lives. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, what a saviour we have, my friend. Uh, You know, if you don't know him today, let me just use this as an opportunity. Listen to me. If you think of nothing else, your life is going when I say nowhere fast, that sounds very arrogant, but the reality is there's a void in every one of our hearts. There's something missing. You know, we can fill it with all kinds of stuff, but it won't work. It just will not work. And when I've tried to, with willpower, when I've tried with willpower to stop doing these things, it still doesn't work even as a Christian. Because how do I know? It's not willpower need, it's His power. Amen. It's not willpower that's going to get you to where you need to go. It's His power. The Holy Spirit's power. It talks about birth, the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God. The fruit of God in your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we're going to learn how to handle ourselves and handle the difficult people around us, We can only do it through his power that is at work within us. You see, the point that God is wanting to get you to and me to today is, yes, he has come and he comes to save us. He comes to forgive us of our sins. That is so true. But he doesn't just stop there. And some people just stop there. They've got the ticket to heaven. But actually, it's way more than that. 
Because God wants to do a work in us here on earth. And he wants to produce the kind of fruit in our lives that's going to help us to navigate the difficult people and context that we're going to encounter. You see, sin brings selfishness. The problem is sin and selfishness. But God's answer to that is maturity. You know, God wants to bring us into freedom. I will just put it here. It's not just because we're wanting to make much of it, although we do. The only way that I think we can ever get into any kind of freedom is in a small group context. I'm not just saying it because Paul's here and Liz is here. Honestly, it's got to be in a smaller context because I am not going to tell you what's going on in my heart with 70 or 80 people here. I'm not. There's no, I'm probably not even likely to do it with 12. But I might do it with one or two. And this is how it works. I've got to use the example again. If we want to walk into freedom, we've got to find a place where we can go with somebody who can help us and say, listen, I have a problem with my temper. And will you keep me accountable with my temper? And will you ask me regularly, how are you doing with your temper? And will you pray for me with your temper? Because I want to get free. And the guys will say, of course we will. And the problem is, if you just turn up here on a Sunday, I'm just going to get it all again. If you just turn up here and think your life's going to change, it ain't. There's got to be more than that. This is a family. We've got to do life together. Well, we don't have to. But for those who really want to mature and develop and grow, we do life together. So, four things that I thought about from these passages of Scripture, and we'll have to move really quickly because time's gone. How do we handle difficult people? Well, the first thing I've already started is, first point is we've got to lean into God. I'll just read it for time. We've got to lean into God. It's His power at work within us. I said to you before, I can have the most willpower, have the most discipline, and it might work for a little while, but it's His power. I haven't asked for permission, but I'm sure he, I hope he won't mind me saying this. It just comes to me, Steve Scrimshaw at the back. Steve has lost an enormous amount of weight over a period of time. Steve spoke to me. And if I can continue, just nod. Yeah, thank you. Steve said to me, you know, of course, there's a discipline. He's he's applied to his life. But he he said, I had to pray about this. I had to just deal with this with the Lord. He's done a remarkable thing. Steve, it's terrific to see you. But it's, 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 it's the partnership with our will in, in his spirit. Have you got that? We've got to lean into God. We've got to learn to lean into God. If things aren't happening good in your life, don't keep blaming God and don't keep blaming everybody else. Lean into God. Lean into God. Trust him. Confide in some other people that will walk you through. It's this daily connection that we need. One of the things that I pray over my life regularly, is Lord, help me with my actions and reactions. Holy Spirit, help me with my actions and reactions. I've had a few meetings recently that could have gone really, really bad. And of course, you know, you you press the button wrong and I'll get really bad because I can really rise up. And Holy Spirit, it it was the thing I said, Holy Spirit, please help me. Whatever is put leveled against me, whatever is said, help me with my actions and reactions. Am I speaking to anybody here? Just help me. Help me. Because I don't want to get this wrong. This is a difficult context. Please help me. A prayer that I pray over myself regular 
is 1 Corinthians 13. I'd love to tell you that I've nailed it, but I haven't. I was going to say for time, we won't address it, but I think it's worthwhile us addressing it. And I want to make sure that I don't miss one of the lines. But I've got this in my, in my Bible. It says, pray this through. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. If we're going to really step into something, we need to lean into God. Secondly, we've got to try and understand. Got to try and understand. Somebody wise said to me years ago, if you want to be understood, you have to first try and understand. It's not been an easy lesson for me, but it's true. You know, if we're stepping into a, even with a husband or wife or whoever, first take a step back and think, what can I learn? What are you wanting to say here, God? What do I need to understand? Because one thing I've realized in pastoral ministry with broken lives is that everybody has a story. And there's a reason why people behave the way they behave. Most people aren't trying to be awkward. It's just as an awkwardness that they've learned. Now, some people are, and you have to deal with that. But we've got to first understand people, and then we might be understood. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says this, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. To answer before listening. How many times have you been in a context where you're saying something, you know, they're, they're, they're breaking into your conversation. If I can say this, my wife hates this, shut up. Listen. Listen to what the person is trying to say. If they're talking a load of nonsense, then deal with that. But let them say what they need to say. And this is really difficult. I find it difficult. But if you don't, it's to your folly and shame. And we've got to first try and understand them. We've got to understand the why. What's going on? What's the story behind them? Number three, how do we handle them while leaning to God, try and understand them? Number three, don't enter into foolishness. It was our community pastor who taught me this. She taught me this invaluable leadership lesson numbers of years ago. She used this phrase, I will not enter into foolishness with people. It's true. I've entered into foolishness. You said this and I said this and I'm going to come back and you said that. Anybody been there? Let's be honest. Anybody bold enough to say, yeah, we need to stop it. It gets us nowhere. Don't enter into foolishness. Proverbs 26 verse 4, for those who are taking notes, don't respond to the stupidity of a fool. You will only look foolish yourself. You know, sometimes people who want to, because of what I do, they're trying to trip me up, catch me out. You know what? I say, if you want to try and do that, that's fine. You know what? I'm really not bothered. If you want to try and trip me up, catch me out, okay. But I'm not going to enter into your foolishness. And we as a church are not going to enter into foolishness. We don't want to enter into foolish, ignorant arguments. That's the Bible. We're not going to enter into those things. And again, churches have been split down the middle because of the foolishness and the stupidity of some people. And number four, all these points we could really unwrap. I've just done them for, for quickness because of time. Lean into God. Try and understand. Don't enter into foolishness. And number four, this is the most difficult. Stay calm. Paul, because of his police training, I'm sure this would have been the case. 
In every situation that you find yourself in, stay calm. Would that be the case? I've not done that. Try and stay calm. Try and just... Now, I know that's difficult if you've got somebody in your face. I've had people in my face, spitting in my face. So angry. It's very, very difficult when somebody's spitting in your face. You know what I'm about to say, but I won't do because of podcasting. But you know what you want to do in the natural. But we have to stay calm. Now... This isn't a four-step process. Number one, do this. Number two, it can't work. It's the Spirit of God helping us in this. But if we're going to handle difficult people, we've got to stay calm. And I find this dead tough. And Caroline's looking at me here. It's true. I don't find it easy. Caroline's much calmer. I don't find it easy. I can be up. If somebody cuts me up in the car, anybody with me, I can still be, you know, I'm not quite wanting to be out of the car now. That was years ago. You've heard me tell that story. I'm out of the car. I mean, what was I thinking? No, seriously, stupid. Grow up, Christian. Stop being so pathetic. Get a life. And I still can sometimes get annoyed when people, you know, it's funny, my dad was on loudspeaker. If he listens to the podcast, dad, God bless you. Okay. But, uh, you know, I was, and I was talking to him. He was on the loudspeaker. And then all I heard was, that fizzing car is just kidding. And I'm on the other line thinking, hello. I went, hello, dad. What's going on? Oh, they're all rubbish. They don't know what they're doing. And he's just kicking up. I thought, okay, God bless you, dad. You know. And we all can be there, can't we? Let's be honest. We all can be there. I can. But we've got to stay calm. In conclusion, I was talking with the elders. We have some fantastic elders. Paul's here as, as an elder. Stephen's here. We have, honestly, we have some brilliant elders and leaders in the life of Arena Church. I don't know whether you can remember, guys, but I was talking from Proverbs 25, verse 28, um, which is this. It says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. It says in the message, a person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. I felt the Lord speak to me at times about this. Christian, there's just a complete lack of self, particularly in these areas where you can press the button and you're up. And what you're like, if you're like that, you're like a house with all its walls and windows kicked out. Anybody can get in and ravish it. I want to say one of the prayers that I pray is, God, just help me in these areas. I'm being very honest and vulnerable and transparent with you. As one of the pastors as the lead pastor of Arena Church. You know, you expect more than me. You don't want my picture in the Chad newspaper, lead pastors kicking off, coming over to a Sunday service and grabs a man out of a car, do you? That's true. So we need to deal with these things. You know, we need to find the space to step back, stay calm, and say in that moment, God, you're going to need to help me in this. This is a maturity message. I'll say that again. This is a maturity message. This is not a message for the faint-hearted. Some of you are here. You may decide not to come again. I hope that's not the case. But you may say, that's a tough message. Because I think I'm justified in my actions. You may feel incredibly justified and you may have done nothing wrong. There's been many times I've done nothing wrong. But I've got to learn how to handle difficult people. Because life is full of difficult people.